Our scripture this morning will be taken from several passages of the gospel relating the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, beginning with Luke 1. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And Luke chapter 2, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judah, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And from Matthew, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Thank you, Brian. Well, good morning. I was uh, watching on Facebook just all the wonderful Christmas stuff that's going on with different families and, and many of you in here, uh, as well as myself, we, we share all the, the good times getting Christmas trees and all that stuff, and I love that. And one of the things that I noticed uh, with a friend of mine was they had, they had uh, purchased a new home. It's a wonderful new home, and it had uh, incredible ceilings. Uh, tall, tall ceilings in it. And so this year they decided we're going to get a big uh, Christmas tree uh, since our ceilings are so tall. And so they, they got about a 12, 13-foot uh, Christmas tree that they got and, and decorated it all up. And, and so the first set of pictures that you see on Facebook is, is this absolutely stunning uh, Christmas tree. And then a day later you see uh, a set of uh, pictures from their home. And that Christmas tree had totally collapsed, had fallen over. Everything, all the ornaments that took hours and hours to get upon it had just been thrown all over the floor, and, 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 and stuff is everywhere. And then you see the dog with, like, a wrapper in its mouth, and you're not quite sure where the Christmas present went, but uh, the wrapper's there. And everything that was all perfect for Christmas had just become a mess. It wasn't anything that they had planned uh, for Christmas. 
And I think that happens to us a lot during this season. Where do we find peace when Christmas doesn't go as planned? When all of a sudden this Christmas season, uh, we've lost somebody. They've gone home with Jesus. When all of a sudden our health uh, is not going well and we have to get surgery during the Christmas season. When there's broken relationship that's going on in the family. And it's all during Christmas time. Christmas doesn't go as planned. Like we thought it would go, where's the warm glow this Christmas season? And a lot of times we ask, what is God doing with us this Christmas? This isn't what I thought. It's crazy. There's hard things in my life. How are things going to work out? Well, you know, as we read these passages about the Christmas story, I think for Joseph and for Mary, they had the same questions at the first Christmas time. They were looking for peace, and they were wondering, God, how are you going to work all this out? So let's ask the Lord uh, to help us with that this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray this morning that you will pour out upon this church family uh, your peace that surpasses all understanding. Father, uh, there's many of us where Christmas is not going as planned. And things are upside down and inside out. And so we ask that you would work right in the middle of that. And I pray, Father, that your spirit would minister peace to these dear saints. We trust you, and we know that you are the Prince of Peace. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. Well, what I wanted to do as we go through these Christmas stories is I wanted to weave through a, a wonderful verse in the New Testament, a promise to us as saints. And it's, it's a verse, unfortunately, that's been uh, misused a lot, taken out of context. It's a verse that is just thrown out at the wrong time. Uh, it's a verse sometimes we just dismiss because it's used so often. But I want us to dive into it in the middle of the Christmas story and weave it all the way through. Romans 8:28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. What then shall we say to all of these things? If God is for us, who is against us? I think one of the ways that we can experience peace is as we realize that our good God, and we can't miss the good part, that our good God takes hard things, things that, that where Christmas doesn't go as planned. He takes those things and he makes them and he turns them into things of good, of beautiful value in our lives. And as we read these scenes of Christmas time, of Jesus being announced, and all of a sudden there's fleeing to Egypt because of attack, it makes no sense. This is, this is God in the flesh coming to earth. God, it seems like things should work out a little bit better here. 
Here he comes as a babe in the flesh, helpless. What are you doing, God? How is Christmas going to work out? Well, let's look at the difficulty of the situation. Because a lot of times we read these Christmas stories and we like to find the warm, fuzzy glow of all of that. And I enjoy that. I like the Christmas lights. It feels nice. But you know what? As we start to realize the, the warm glow actually comes from the light of Christ. But he's working through all of these crazy times of ours right in the middle of Christmas season. And he was right at the beginning when Jesus was born. Scene one that we read this morning, the angel shows up. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. The scriptures say as, as Mary heard that, she was greatly troubled, is what the scriptures say. What is going on? Mary is greatly troubled. It's a word that means to be incredibly agitated, distressed. She's confused about all that's going on. Big, shiny warrior man. You are scaring the heck out of me. Do you understand? He was a mighty warrior, Gabriel. Powerful of all angels. Showing up to this young teenage girl. And you can imagine Mary thinking through her head, well, um, and she even says in the scriptures, I'm a virgin. I haven't been with Joseph yet. I live in a small town. Pregnancy outside of marriage, uh, not really considered a good thing in this community. Seriously frowned upon. This is scandalous. You can imagine her thinking, I'll get an incredibly nasty reputation. Joseph is probably going to abandon me. My life will be one of isolation. And we see in the scriptures that Joseph actually, indeed, was ready to bail. He's like, I'll do it quietly, but I'm out of here. I'm not going to bring more disgrace to this whole situation. That's Christmas not going quite as planned. You who are highly favored, here's the news, and it was scary. We see in scene two, as they go to enter into the census, they come to Nazareth, they leave Nazareth of Galilee, and they're going towards Bethlehem, and, and there she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger. Because there was no guest room available for them. You understand, it's a time of Roman oppression. It's a time where taxes are high. It's not a feel-good society, unless you're a Roman and you're uber-wealthy. So alone, frightened, confused. How is this all going to work out? It's time to give birth, pregnant and traveling along the road. And there's no room in the inn. A dark cave where the animals feed. You know, let me show you an image. This is the way we, we like to view Christmas, isn't it? We like to view Christmas and the manger scene with, with again, look at the wonderful glow. Everybody's happy. The light is shining so softly upon Jesus. 
this is a great manger scene, and, and we like to soak this in. And all of us, we go, you know, and we have these wonderful manger scenes. I'm sure they're up at your homes right now. And they're similar to this. I have one like this that we, that we picked up in Israel. And it's, it's really nice. And it's really soft. And, and it's, I love the, the feeling of it. But that wasn't the scene. Here's the real manger. That's what a real manger looks like. It's a stone feeding trough. And so they wrapped Jesus in clothes and they placed him in this. And it was in a cold, cold cave. What is God doing this Christmas season? There's only three words that describe the real manger scene. Stink, stank, stunk. (laughs) Truly, it was an awful scene. And this is how God chose to bring his son into the world in the flesh. God of the universe. This frail little child. Thank you. Scene three, we see that they had to come and and the Lord appeared before the shepherds. And as he appeared before the shepherds, the angel of the Lord says, Peace on earth to those who his favor rest. The angels, the angels show up to these, this rough crew and they're announcing the birth of Christ and you go, oh, this is just wonderful. And verse 16 says, so they hurried off, the shepherds, they hurried and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Can you imagine, dear women, you're at St. Luke's and you've just given birth. And all of a sudden, coming through the door at St. Luke's is these just dirty scoundrels. Picture a bunch of... We don't really have the, the shepherds so much that we have surrounding us. I grew up in a, in a town that was full of fishermen. So just picture a bunch of fishermen right off the docks coming right into your room, so excited about the birth of your son. Can you imagine? Christmas isn't quite going as planned. What is this craziness that is going on? And how scary. These guys were scoundrels. They didn't have the best reputation. And they come busting through the door. We have to see this baby Jesus. What is God doing here? Where do we find peace? This isn't a peaceful moment. I just wanted to hold my child and be with my family. I'm scared already. I'm in a dark cave. I've been told that this is Jesus, the Savior. This isn't going as I thought. Where's the peace? And then they have to run, the last scene we saw. They have to run off to a foreign land, off to Egypt. They're scared for their lives. Jesus is a little older here, but still a young child. And they have to go to Egypt because Herod's going to kill them. They have to go in a foreign land where they don't know anybody, connect with. I mean, even in the middle of that, it's like, what are we going to do when we show up in Egypt? And we've got a little child, and we had our family there in Israel, but now we're on our own. And they ran off. God, this isn't what I planned. Where's the peace in the middle of this? And we asked that question. 
And a lot of us ask that question this season. It's hard to, to get peace in this Christmas season when you just step outside in all the craziness. You know, even midweek, you know, just driving down Milwaukee by the mall. It, it's packed, right? It's just packed. It's hard to get peace this Christmas. We're all spinning and we're trying to do last-minute stuff and then things are going hard in our lives. Where's the peace? And we know, we know that it's only found in Jesus Christ who offers us peace as we believe upon his Son, as we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have ultimate peace with God. And then he brings a peace in our life that he is in control, in charge of our lives. And God's working all things for the good. You know, as I read the Christmas story, and again I go, wow, it's not quite the sweet manger scene that we we tend to hold on to. I think I would have written the story a little bit differently. How would you write the Christmas story? You ever thought about that? How would you write it? This is how I'd write it. Angel shows up to Mary. Mary's all, oh, wow, I knew you would come. And the the angel is glowing, but he's welcoming like a warm fire. Mary explains, this is fantastic news. I can't wait to tell everybody about my pregnancy. It's amazing. The next scene, Mary shows up, and she has the little pregnancy test. (laughs) And she shows up to Joseph, and she shows it to him, and it's positive. And he just grabs her and holds her in his arms, and he has a couple tears of joy. And again, there's a warm light above them as they sit there and rejoice in the birth of their son that's going to happen. And they share the good news. They can't wait. Joseph is like, oh, I can't wait to tell everybody as well. And so they have a blue and pink party. Are you guys familiar with these? (laughs) Only the cake maker knows the, the sex of this child. So they gather everybody in the town for the blue and pink party. And then they're ready They're about to cut the cake, and as they cut the cake, it's blue. It's going to be a boy. And they serve blue cake on their blue paper dishes, and everybody celebrates, and everybody's rejoicing, and all the dads are like, yeah, football player, and all kinds of stuff, and we're excited. And the town is rejoicing. And they have to go do the census, but... Joseph books a luxury sleeper on the train so that Mary can be comfortable, and Mary sleeps beautifully, and they arrive into Bethlehem. There's a big reception at the train station, like royalty, streamers everywhere, and the chauffeur picks them up and takes them to a beautiful hotel suite. The bed is so comfortable, and Mary puts on a soft robe. She gets into bed, and she sleeps beautifully. Once again, there's a white glow in the room. The next morning, she wakes up, and she hears a little cry. Jesus has been born. She didn't even know she was sleeping so well. (laughs) This is a good story, isn't it? (laughs) 
He's all cleaned up already. He's wrapped in a snuggly blanket. He's washed up perfect. The newspapers get a hold of it. The little prince has been born. He'll be king someday. Paparazzi's everywhere. The little boy's famous. His parents and the child are adored, admired like everybody, by everybody. Kind of like William and Kate and little Prince George. And then in the scene when Herod decides to come after them, little baby Jesus just speaks one word, and they're all turned into pillars of salt. Now that's a nice Christmas story, I think. This is how I would have planned Christmas, but it didn't go like that at all. It was difficult, it was scary, there were things going on in life that were confusing. God, what are you doing? And we know, we are certain, Romans speaks, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We experience peace as our good God takes hard things and he makes them turn out for good. I really appreciate Timothy Keller's perspective on Romans 8.28, and I want to share some of his thoughts that he brought to this as well. The scriptures say in 8.28 that for those who love God, all things are going to be worked together. All things. And, and one of the things that the Scripture is pointing out is that guess what, dear Christians? All things come upon us. All things. Not just the good things. We will experience the good and the bad just like everybody else. You know, many Christians will teach that as a follower of Jesus Christ, as we love and as we serve God faithfully, we won't have as many hard or difficult things in our lives. But that's not the promise, is it? I mean, you can imagine Mary, if, if, if she believed that, then she would say this, excuse me, uh, I'm Mary, uh, number one, a mother of Jesus, and... Uh, you've told me that I'm highly favored. And therefore, look at me. I'm one who's serving God faithfully. I'm one who's living my life and, and trying to live in righteousness. Therefore, these difficult things really shouldn't come my way as much. But that's not the promise of Scripture. The second implication that we see in Romans 8.28 is that all things work together for good. And the only reason they work together for good is because of God in your life. You see, nothing comes together for good in this broken world of ours where everything is decaying and falling apart. Nothing comes together for good except for God. He's the only one who can work that together. We live in brokenness. We live in death. We live in decay. And it's God who brings them together for good. He's the only one. We need to break away from the sentimental idea that things ought to go right. And especially during Christmas time. They ought to go right during Christmas because it's Christmas. It's everybody's supposed to be happy and enjoying the season. They ought to 
It it ought to be normal that things go right, like my Christmas story. That should be the way it should go. But we have to get rid of that idea completely, I believe. Everything that goes well in our lives and and in, in our communities and in our families goes well only because it's a miracle of grace of God's hand upon us. And we thank God for those moments. And I really hope you will do that this season. Just thank God. God, thank you for a good day. And you know what? Even in the difficulty, thank you, God, that you're with me in the difficulty. Emmanuel, God, with us in the middle of it. Christians, our lives are full of trial and struggle. Christmas often does not go well and as planned. But look at what the scripture says, Romans 8.28. He is doing this work. It's all because of God, and he's doing it together for good, for value, for worth. It doesn't promise that those who love God will have better circumstances, does it? That's not the promise. Nor does the verse say that bad things are actually good things. You see, Herod wanting to kill you is a bad thing. And it acknowledges that. Lazarus dying at the tomb was a bad thing. Death is bad. Jesus doesn't go around like, oh, okay, this is a good thing. And watch what I'm going to make it. He doesn't show up. No, he weeps because death is awful and bad. It doesn't try to pretend that bad things are good. But God's going to do a work in the middle of that. All things work together for the good. The promise isn't that we're going to see all of a sudden how they all work out. I mean, that's not the promise either. Sometimes we will. But there isn't a promise like all of a sudden, okay, this is going to happen good. Right away, I'll see what the meaning of all this is. But the promise is that in the totality of our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, God is working for the good. And he takes those hard things, those trials, those bad things, and he brings good into them. He redeems them, he buys them back. When you're middle of the struggle, it's hard to see that. Oftentimes we feel like our our Christian life isn't going as planned. But God's at work. We often feel like stuff is getting heaped upon us. And there's just a lot of garbage in our lives, a lot of pain, a lot of struggle. I want to show you an image that I found. The one image is of a, of a garbage uh, dump full of trash every day, just getting piled upon piled upon piled. And then next to it is an image. This was a woman who would actually glean some things out of the garbage heap. And she was there. And here's what happened. These artists came by, and they grabbed all kinds of stuff from the garbage heap. And they made this beautiful portrait, all from garbage, all from trash, all from just the ugliness and yuck of life. And they made this beautiful image of this woman who gleaned some food out of that heap. I think that's what God does with us. I think that's what Romans 8.28 is getting at. There is a lot of hardship. There's a lot of yuck and ugliness. 
And I am weaving it all together and I am making it beautiful and I'm bringing out of this junk goodness. And it's in the totality of life. It's not, again, right away necessarily that we see that. But he's doing a work. And here's the problem. God is doing a work. He he doesn't stop doing the work. Remember, he who began the good work, he's going to complete it in our lives. Thank you. A big part of the reason we get discouraged and we get despondent is that we're shocked that Christmas isn't going as planned. What do you mean I have to leave everything and move to Egypt? We say that's not the way it's supposed to be. But that's not what the promise is. N.T. Wright says this, We're not to be surprised if living as Christians brings us to a place where we find that we're at the end of our own resources and that we are called to rely on the God who raises the dead. We shouldn't be surprised by such things. Until we understand that God is working in that, we're always going to be in turmoil in our hearts and minds. Peace comes from knowing that God is at work, that our God is good, and that he is bringing good, and he will bring good out of these hard things when Christmas doesn't go as planned. There's peace. And that comes from his Holy Spirit that he gives upon us. I think the next area that we see is that we can find peace and knowing that the good things that God is working out, we don't lose those things. We don't lose that gift, that Christmas gift. The good things that God is working out, we don't lose. People use Romans 8.28 oftentimes to ensure themselves of this. They say it to themselves, and, and, and maybe you've said it to others, well, surely now bad things have happened. Surely now good things are going to happen to you. I didn't get into this certain college so now I'm going to get, definitely get into this other college and it's going to be better and that's the way it's going to work out. That relationship with that one woman didn't work out. Now I'm going to definitely marry this other woman. And this is how it's all going to work out. It's not the promise. But we keep trying to twist the verse to say those things. There's a word that is in the verse. It's for. He's doing these things for a purpose. He's doing these things for good. And here's the purpose that he's doing. I'm working all things together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the likeness of his Son. God doesn't promise you better life circumstances if you love him but he does promise you a better life. It's real life. It's a life that is filled with hope and love and joy and peace. He brings that into our life. You see college and marriages, those are circumstances, aren't they? But we're talking about peace and joy that goes beyond circumstances. Jesus did not suffer so that you would not suffer. He suffered that babe in the manger who grew up. He suffered so that when you suffer, 
you become more and more like him. That's the work he's doing. This is the good he is doing in us as followers of Jesus Christ. These circumstances, Paul uses and he says, listen, circumstances don't change, but the, God is doing this incredible work. And he uses this, this word predestined, and we, we're not going to get into the theology of predestination, but predestined has the idea of, listen, it's fixed. This work that God is doing is fixed. It's certain. You're not going to lose the gift of what God is doing in your life in this Christmas time when it's not going quite as planned. There's still this gift. And it's to be opened. And it's of incredible worth. What is it that is predestined? What is it that's fixed? What is the gift? Here it is. And this is the only truth that we can hold on to. Again, Romans 8.28 has just been thrown out in so many different ways. What is predestined is that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, as children of God, we will be conformed into his image. That's the gift, and we can't lose that. And we open it up, and we say, thank you, Lord. It's metamorphosis. You are going to be changed from the inside out. Your inner essence, your very essence, will be the essence of Jesus Christ. The angels... As they spoke to the shepherds, the shepherds showed up. They were all amazed. The shepherds were going off explaining everything that was going on. And the scriptures say, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I think her inner essence was becoming like the essence of Jesus Christ. I'm in a dark cave. I've got these shepherds visiting me. They're talking about who this boy is. And God is taking that and he's conforming my heart to his. There's a real peace in the middle of that. There truly can be that beautiful glow in that manger because of that. To be a Christian is to become passionately in love with the character of Jesus the good that God is moving you towards and everything that happens in your life, whether it's extremely bad, extremely good, everything is your transformation, my transformation into the character and into Christ's nature. That's the good thing that he's working. Everything in our lives, all things that come our way will sculpt us, they will polish us, they will shape us into the image of God, of his Son. And God's working out everything in our life to this magnificent goal, this gift that we can't lose. It's guaranteed. It's predestined. It's fixed. And so open that gift. Even though the Christmas tree's fallen over, take that gift and open it and say, thank you, God, for the work that you're doing in me this Christmas season. I wanted to wrap with just thinking about where did Mary and Joseph find peace when Christmas didn't go as planned? I think they found peace in the the recognition that God is indeed good, that he's in control, 
that his amazing love extends to us. That his amazing love extends to us, so much so that he sent his son. And they got to be the parents of the Son of God and experience his amazing love. They knew that God was good. They had an incredible faith. And that faith responded in obedience and an amazing trust. Mary shows up and she's with Elizabeth. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises. What an incredible faith. And as her faith grew, peace grew even more. You remember in Mary's song, she sings out, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She knew God. She knew God was good. She knew who he was. She knew that he had sent his son, the Savior of the world, to die for her sin as well as ours. Joseph started to grow in his faith and started to have peace. The angel shows up when he's ready to bail and is like, Joseph, don't bail. I've got this. We have this. It's, it's God's plan. Let me tell you what he's doing. I, loved, I, I was at this, uh, the children's Christmas play last week, and, and the angel, angel of the Lord shows up to Joseph, and I love the response of Joseph, played by the character up here. Angel of the Lord shows up. This is what's going on. Joseph says this. Oh, okay. <laughs> this beautiful, simple obedience to what God is doing. And that brought, I think, amazing faith to them. That God is my Savior. I know he's working this out. She understood the character of God. In her song, she says of God, He has been mindful of me, of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things, good things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And so poured out out of the heart of Mary on a Christmas that didn't go as planned, peace and rest in the arms of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you give us peace. And you give us ultimate peace as we have relationship with your son Jesus that we are in right relationship with you. And Father, your Holy Spirit fills us with peace as we go along this journey. And again, I pray this morning, as Christmas is not going as planned for many in this body, that your peace would surround them. In your beautiful and precious name, amen.